Welcome to Tone Raiders, the podcast in which Laura and I, my name is Ross, by the way, uh, <laughs> in which Laura and I take folklore, legends and mythology and do a poor YouTube cover song of it and <laughs> hopefully, and play it at an acoustic cafe and hopefully make someone love us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> not speaking from real experience at all no <laughs> well laura well ross we've got an exciting story this week okay remember how how awesome how much we enjoyed Kilhook and olwyn yeah we're going back to Celtic mythology. yeah boy okay Although excellent we're, we've changed we're going going elsewhere slightly elsewhere okay so, so rather than hanging out with our buddies in wales okay we're gonna cross that sea we're going to take a little stop off at the Isle of Man, drink some... What do they drink in Isle of Man? Beer? Probably. Have a couple of pints. <laughs> and then continue our ferry across to the Greenland of Ireland. <laughs> the Greenland of Ireland. Uh, the island of And Green- we're going to try very, very hard <laughs> not to butcher the Irish accent at all. <laughs> I'm not even going there. No. With the accent. Neither I'm, am I. <laughs> I'm firmly avoiding the accent. <laughs> However, there are names oh <laughs> that I have literally on my script here. I've put them in square brackets. This is how you pronounce them. Oh, no. Oh, God. Because <laughs> they're really hard. So I'm not drinking this episode because I just got a tattoo, so I'm not allowed. And a very thematic tattoo. A as very well. thematic Celtic not tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ross is drinking. I am drinking. So <laughs> let's see how this goes. And yet I'm the one who's <laughs> speaking the Irish names. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today's story um, is, I mean, te- okay, so the, the version of this story that I'm reading today is not ancient, but the tale itself is ancient. Okay. So um, this tale is called The Enchanted Cave of Keshkorin. Ooh. Doesn't that sound kind of exciting? Yeah, it does. Uh, enchanted. Enchanted cave. Enchanted cave. Well, um, is that what they're calling it these days? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take us long. No. <laughs> uh, we are one minute in. <laughs> so this version is written by Irish novelist and poet James Stevens. Okay. Uh, born 1880 and died... Died, decided to die in 1950. So, okay, so uh, over 50 years ago, therefore, in the public realm. Yeah, and we are... <laughs> in the public realm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so this is The Enchanted Cave of Kesh Corran. Mm. Um, and this is from his book, Irish Fairy Tales. Okay. Which is a um, sort of a number of tales retold from the Fenian cycle. What okay. can you tell me about the Fenian cycle? Literally nothing. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> the Fenian cycle... So there are a number of, a number of stories... Uh, folk tales, mytho- uh, mythological tales uh, of Ireland. Um, the Fenian cycle are basically that's the that's the sort of like any story that is surrounding the Irish hero Finn McCool. Okay. Um, and um, Finn is a popular name these days, isn't it? It is. Um, we just we know um, uh, uh, someone who just had a kid called Finley. Yeah, I I know two babies called Finley. My cousin is also called Finley. Yeah. There we go. Whether Finley has any relationship to Finn? No idea. Don't know. (laughs) That parenthesis was brought to you by (laughs) modern naming. Um, um, So, um, this tale, I'm just, uh, this is quite good because it's actually quite, uh, quite well written. (laughs) 
Okay, excellent. Um, and if you hadn't noticed, we are going back to our roots here. Yes. Uh, we are moving away from um, biblical stories <laughs> and all the reason. inherent <laughs> trauma and unpacking that that holds for us. Hope you enjoyed the last episode, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> all right, so I'm not going to give you any more preamble. You okay. Can go into it. Are you ready? I was born ready. All right. Breathe in. And out. Finn McCool was the most prudent chief of an army in the world. But he was not always prudent on his own account. Discipline sometimes irked him, and he would then take any opportunity that presented for an adventure. For he was not only a soldier, he was a poet also. That is, a man of science. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely A plus B equals C going on yeah. here. <laughs> I'm already confused and we're one sentence in. Yeah. <laughs> so So it doesn't sound like he's particularly prudent at all. No, prudent but kind of not prudent. But discipline dis- discipline escapes him. Okay. Well same. Whatever was strange or unusual had an irresistible attraction for him. <laughs> well that's how you ended up in a relationship with me <laughs> cheers. cheers knocks the wine cup against your coffee cup <laughs> such a soldier was he that single handed he could take the Fianna out of any hole they got into the Fianna and his tribe of people okay apart from the hole that they're about to get I into well, I'm well I'm about to say <laughs> foreshadowing with a sexual undertone. Oh, God. No, it's not actually. There's <laughs> no sexual undertones. Only the ones we're in- inserting. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> but such an inveterate poet was he that all the Fianna together could scarcely retrieve him from the abysses into which he tumbled. It took him to keep the Fianna safe, but it took all the Fianna to keep their captain out of danger. Sounds like he was a fucking liability. It does sound a bit like that. <laughs> they did not complain of this. They loved every hair of Finn's head more than they loved their wives and children. Wow! <laughs> oh my god! And that was reasonable, for there was never in the world a person more worthy of love than Finn was. What? Well, why? They haven't explained why. <coughs> I mean, he was a prudent chief. No, he clearly wasn't. But clearly not. He was a massive liability. Well, maybe the context, of the, maybe as the story continues, you'll grow to love Finn McCool. Okay. Okay. To be honest, there are other stories as well. Do you involve... think Davina McCall is anything to do with Finn McCall? <laughs> <laughs> no? <laughs> Big Brother Cave, this is Davina. You are live on Channel 4. Please do not swear. <laughs> Gold McMorner did not admit so much in words, but he admitted it in all his actions. For although he never lost an opportunity of killing a member of Finn's family... <laughs> Brackets. There was a deadly feud between Clan Bashknet and Clan Mourner. Uh-huh. In brackets. Yet a call from Finn brought Gol raging to his assistance like a lion that rages tenderly by his mate. Hang on, so he wants to kill his family and there's a massive blood feud, but he also fucking loves this guy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, why do, why do they... Yeah, you're right. Why does everyone love Finn? <laughs> this makes no sense. I need some explanation. Not even a call was necessary. 
for Gol felt it in his heart when Finn was threatened. What? <laughs> Spider senses. For Christ's sake. And he would leave Finn's own brother only half killed to fly where his <laughs> arm was wanted. That <laughs> 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 He was never thanked, of course, for although Finn loved Gull, he did not like him. And that was how Gull felt towards Finn. What? So they love each other, but they don't like each other? Yeah, yeah. So love... they've got like a sibling relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Gull is busy killing his actual siblings. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> oh my god, okay. <laughs> Finn, with Conan the Swearer, <laughs> who wouldn't have made it on, uh, on Channel 4, <laughs> And the dogs Bran and Shkolan were sitting on the hunting mound at the top of Kesh Koran. Uh-huh. Now, point of note, Kesh Koran, this is a real place. I'm sure it is. And it's quite awesome. I was just looking at pictures of it. Okay. We can put them in our Twitter account. We shall put it in our Twitter account, at Tome Raiders Pod. Yeah. So it's the caves of Kesh, and it's like, I think that's right. And um, basically, yeah, you can see they're just, you know, quite beautiful. They're kind of on the top of a hill. You know I love a good cave. Because I have a... Geology. Geology degree. Oh, yeah. well, geography degree. Well, Good geology. Yeah. Mm. Um, so you made real... that joke, listener. Yeah, you made that joke. That That's wasn't me. That, that just really just says a lot about you, listener. Yeah. Below and around on every side, the Fianna were beating the coverts in Legny and Brefni, ranging the fastnesses of Glendallen, creeping in the nut and beech forests of Carberry, spying among the woods of Carl Connor, and ranging the wild, the wide plain of Moikonal. Mm-hmm. Can I just quickly ask, when is this set? Like, what time period? Um, that's a good question. Uh, this is sort of set... Um, a lot of the, these kind of Irish myths are kind of early... Like, the common era. So we're okay. talking... So they're set sort of, you know... When like around the Romans, okay, so kind of Iron Age, Iron Age. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Understood. So this don't expect gothic vampires. This is pre William of Orange, though. Yes. Okay. Um, well, at least the first manuscripts of this were probably pre. Well, as in when the story set, yeah, pre William yeah. Orange. For okay, sure, for sure, fine, for sure. fine, fine, fine. The great captain was happy. His eyes were resting on the sights he liked best: the sunlight of a clear day the waving trees, the pure sky, and the lovely movement of the earth. And his ears were filled with delectable sounds, the baying of eager dogs, the clear calling of young men, (laughs) the shrill whistling that came from every side, and each sound of which told a definite thing about the hunt. I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah, isn't that lovely? I love it when writings evoke every single sense. I can imagine sitting there and mm. hearing and seeing and feeling these like the wind on your skin. Mm. Can you imagine like that? I feel warm, like there's blue skies. Yeah. And, oh. I can smell the grass. Mm. I can feel the allergic reaction to the pollen. It's <laughs> <laughs> snorting antihistamines. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the nozzle to your nose. <laughs> he can imitate that so closely mm-hmm. is the fact that I have to do that every single day because I'm allergic to my own cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was also the plunge and scurry of the deer, the yapping of badgers. And what? The... <laughs> yeah. Badgers don't yap. I've never heard a badger yap. They bark. They're do like... they? 
Yeah. <laughs> they hit your best badger bark. They sound a bit like a fox. It sounds a bit like... <laughs> that was more like a crow. They're like, I love mashed potato. <laughs> Everybody knows badger loves... Mashed potato. <laughs> this one for our British listeners. <laughs> and the whir of birds driven into reluctant flight. Chapter two. Okay, so... Finn's just chilling, getting ready to go. Yeah, just enjoying watching the hunt kind of going on. Okay, cool. This is not batshit yet. No. Okay. Now adjust your your glasses. Because things are about to change. Yep. Now, the king of the Shi of Keshkoran, Conoran, son of Imidel, was also watching the hunt. But Finn did not see him, for we cannot see the people of Fairy until we enter their realm. Ooh. And Finn was not thinking of fairy at that moment. Now, um, little asterisk footnote here. Um, the In Irish mythology, there is this race of people called the Tuatha de Danann. Mm-hmm. Um, or Tatha, Tuatha, Tuatha, anyway. Them. Um, and they were sort of... He's had half a glass of wine. <laughs> it's really difficult because, like, these two vowels together don't always sound like a two, like a diphthong. Anyway. Um, um, and you can think of them sort of like... Um, okay, so in terms of, like, how they... Their status in kind of Irish myth. Irish myth um, I just said Irish myth. Mish. Anyway. <laughs> this is bad. Um, okay, so can you think of them sort of like... Do you remember reading The Hobbit? Yes. And then reading Lord of the Rings. Yes. And then the elves in The Hobbit are just nothing like the elves in Lord of the Rings. Yes. Okay. In Irish mythology, what kind of happened was kind of the obverse of that. Okay. Inverse of that. So you started out with, well, with like sort of the Tuatha de Danann are sort of like this kind of quite glorified kind of mythological race, quite kind of, you know, lots of glory and honour and stuff. And then sort of like... As the tales evolved, they kind of just changed into, like, these fairy folk. Mm. So, like, if you read The Hobbit and, like, Elrond's like, hey, hey, I played a little trick on you, Bilbo. And it's kind of like, well, that's not what Elrond's like. No. Um, this so is the opposite. This is kind of what I'm, I feel like it's going the opposite way. So where are we on that sliding scale at this point? I have no idea. Well, I mean, this is written in 1920-ish, so probably quite far down the fairy scale. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... We, so this is written f- more recently than not, so they're mm. more fairy-y. Than... I mean, this is a thoroughly modern retelling, so at this point, you know, it's all kind of as mystical and myth- and fairy tale-ish than it, as it can be. Okay. I'm imagining Tinkerbell tutus. Yes. Little chimes and... Well, uh, that's, our, that's, our, that's our Peter Pan version of fairies, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think it's quite that far, but... Okay. But it's not, you know, majestic, benevolent fae. No. Okay. Are the fae ever benevolent? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Conoran did not like Finn, and seeing that the great champion was alone, save for Conan and the two hounds, Bran and Shkolan, he thought the time had come to get Finn into his power. We do not know what Finn had done to Conoran, but it must have been bad enough. I mean why anybody feels anything towards Finn. Yeah. They just want everybody loves this guy, even though there's a blood feud and everybody hates their family. Everyone apart from Conoran. They love him more than 
his, their own wives and children mm. for no reason whatsoever. The king of the Shi of Keshkoran was filled with joy at the sight of Finn thus close to him, thus unprotected, thus unsuspicious. This Conoran had four daughters. He was fond of them and proud of them. But if one were to search the Shees of Ireland or the land of Ireland, the equal of these four would not be found for ugliness and bad humour and twisted temperaments. Their hair was black as ink and tough as wire. It stuck up and poked out and hung down about their heads in bushes and spikes and tangles. I'm always reminded, reminded of like, my mistress' eyes are nothing like the sun. Coral is far more red than her lips red. Oh, the cat wants his dinner. You're gonna have to wait, cat. <laughs> their eyes were bleary and red. Their mouths were black and twisted. And in each of these mouths, there was a hedge of curved yellow fangs. What the fuck? They had long, scraggy necks that could turn all the way round. <laughs> <laughs> like the neck of a hen. Like, what? <laughs> okay. Their arms were long and skinny and muscular. Same. <laughs> Just skinny and muscular. Interesting. You can be skinny and muscular. Well, you know, okay. <laughs> their arms were super toned. <laughs> <laughs> their muscle definition was off the chart. Mm. They were hard bodies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> at the end of each finger they had a spiked nail that was as hard as horn and as sharp as a briar their bodies were covered with a bristle of hair and fur and fluff can I just are we still talking about the fairy gods daughters kids yeah Jesus so that they looked like dogs in some parts and in cats like others and in other parts again they looked like chickens <laughs> They had moustaches poking out of their noses <laughs> and woolly wads growing out of their ears so that when you looked at them the first time, you never wanted to look at them again. Bloody hell. And if you had to Can look at them... Can I just say, there's been no long, horrible description of any of the male characters. No, it's a bit unfair, isn't it? It's very unfair. I think that I think the point that he's trying to make is... They're minging. They're minging. Okay, fine. He's laboured that point well enough. They were called Kavug... Kulin and Eirin. The fourth daughter, Eirnach, was not present at that moment, so nothing need be said of her yet. <laughs> yet. Put a bit of mark in that one. Oh, God. Conoran called these three to him. Finn is alone, <laughs> said he. I'm never prepared. Finn is alone, my treasures. <laughs> ah, said Kavug. And her jaw crunched upwards and stuck outwards, as was usual with her when she was satisfied. Bloody well. (laughs) (laughs) When the chance comes, take it, Conoran continued, and he smiled a black, beetle-browed, unbenevolent smile. It's a good word, quoth Coolin, and she swung her jaw loose and made it waggle up and down. For that was the way she smiled. Same. And here is the chance, her father added. The chance is here! Here <laughs> With a smile that was very like her sister's, only that it was worse. 
and the wind that grew on her nose joggled to and fro oh and did not God. get its balance again for a long time. Can I say, the apple never falls that far from the tree. <coughs> They've got these looks from somewhere. I think they got it from Conoran. I reckon so. Mm. Then they smiled a smile that was agreeable to their own eyes, but which would have been a deadly thing for anybody else to see. Deadly? A deadly thing. They've got an overcrowded jaw as well. Yeah. <laughs> they really need a good orthodontist. <laughs> but Finn cannot see us, Kaylurg objected, and her brow Very set... Very good point. Her brow set downwards, and her chin set upwards, and her mouth squeezed sidewards. What? So that her face looked like a badly disappointed nut. <laughs> <laughs> Worth seeing, Cool continued. <laughs> and the disappointment that was set in her sister's face got carved and twisted into hers, but it was worse in her case. Oh my god. That is the truth, said Erin in a voice of lamentation, and her face took on a gnarl and a writhe and a solidity of ugly woe that beat the other two and made even her father marvel. He <laughs> <laughs> cannot see us now, Conoran replied. But you will see us in a minute. <laughs> Won't Finn be glad when he sees us? Said the three sisters. And then they joined hands and danced joyfully around the <laughs> And they sang a song, the first line of which is, Finn thinks he is safe, but who knows when the sky will fall. <laughs> Lots of the people in the Shi learned that song by heart and they applied it to every kind of circumstance. I see. <laughs> Can I say this is exactly what happens when I get together with my dad? <laughs> yeah. yeah? Yeah, yeah. This is why we don't get together very often. I can see. <laughs> Chapter 3. By his arts, Conoran changed the sight of Finn's eyes, and he did the same for Conan. Hang on. Changed the sight? Yes. In a few minutes, Finn stood up from his place on the mound... Everything was about him as before, and he did not know that he had gone into fairy. He walked up for a minute up and down the hillock. Then, as by chance, he stepped down the sloping end of the mound and stood with his mouth open, staring. He cried out, Come down here, Conan, my darling. Like what? Conan stepped down to him. Am I dreaming? Finn demanded, and he stretched out his finger before him. If you are dreaming, said Cohen, I'm dreaming too. They weren't here a minute ago, he stammered. Finn looked up at the sky and found that it was still there. He stared to one side and saw the trees of Kyle Connor waving in the distance. He bent his ear to the wind and heard the shouting of hunters, the yapping of dogs and the clear whistles, which told how the hunt was going. Well, said Finn to himself, by my hand, quoth Conan to his own soul. What have they seen? And the two men stared into the hillside, as though what they were looking at was too wonderful to be looked away from. Who are they? said Finn. What are they? Conan gasped, and they stared again. For there was a great hole like a doorway in the side of the mound, and in that doorway the daughters of Conoran sat spinning. Okay. They had three crooked sticks of holly set up before the cave, 
and they were reeling yarn off these. But it was enchantment they were weaving. Uh-huh. One could not call them handsome, said Conan. <laughs> One could, Finn replied, but it would not be true. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I cannot see them properly, Finn complained. They are hiding behind the holly. I would be contented if I could not see them at all, his companion grumbled. But the chief insisted. Wait, so they've like changed their sights and they're now in the land of the Fae, but they yeah. haven't changed their sights and that their daughters look more attractive. I don't know if the sight can do that. Can can you change can you use some change someone's sight to see something that isn't there? So changing this their sight to see the see the fairy, the the land of the fae. Uh huh. That's a thing I guess you could do, but not. I don't know. Okay. All right. Carry on. I'm glad that you have such meticulous, uh, kind of the focus on this. What's the word I'm looking for? It's like a you want to get the minutiae right. Well, yeah, that's just. Hmm. Part of me. That's <laughs> why I'm good at my job. The chief insisted. I want to make sure that it is whiskers they are wearing. <laughs> let them wear whiskers and or not wear them, Conan cancelled. But let us have nothing to do with them. Yeah, just mind your business. One must not be frightened of anything, Finn oh, stated. Off. I'm not frightened, Conan explained. I only want to keep my good opinion of women. <laughs> And if the three yonder are women, I feel sure I shall begin to dislike females when this minute out. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Come on, my love, said Finn, for I must find out if these whiskers are true. For fuck's sake, mind your business. He strode resolutely into the cave. Is the woman's whiskers bothering you? Like, is it harming you? No. Then why are you going to make somebody feel bad about something they probably already have a complex about? So mind your fucking business. You said it. He pushed the branches of Holly aside and marched up to Conoran's daughters, with Conan behind him. Chapter 4 God. Yo, I was just wondering whether um, your moustache was real. Mind your fucking business. Yeah. I'll tell you what, this guy's not sounding very likeable at all to us, no. is he? No! The instant they passed the Holly, a strange weakness came over the heroes. Their fists seemed to grow heavy as lead and went dingle-dangle at the end of their arms. Dingle-dangle. <laughs> their heads became as light as straws and began to bend in and out. Their necks, what? Their necks became too delicate to hold anything up so that their heads wibbled and wobbled from side to side. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong at all, said Conan as he tumbled to the ground. Everything is, Finn replied. If you had just minded your business and not asked women that you don't know invasive questions about things that do not concern you, this wouldn't have happened. The three sisters then tied the heroes with every kind of loop and twist and knots that could be thought of. Good. Those are whiskers, said Finn. Fuck off! Alas, said Conan. What place, what a place you must hunt whiskers in, he mumbled savagely. Who wants whiskers, he groaned. But Finn was thinking of other things. If there was any way of warning the Fianna not to come here, Finn murmured. There is no way, my darling, said Kayla. <laughs> and the sm she smiled a smile that would have killed Finn 
only that he shut his eyes in time. After a moment, he murmured again. Conan, my dear love, give the warning whistle so that the Fiona will keep out of this place. A little hoof, like the sound that would be made by a baby and it asleep, came from Conan. A sound that came from a baby that, that it were asleep. A little woof, like the sound that would be made by a baby and it asleep, came from Conan. So... <sighs> yeah, like the... <laughs> Finn, said he. There isn't a whistle in me. <laughs> we are done for, said he. You are done for indeed, said Coolan, and she smiled a hairy and twisty and fangy smile that almost finished Conan. By that time... Some of the Fianna had returned to the mound to see why Bran and Shkolan were barking so outrageously. They saw the cave and went into it. What? But no sooner had they passed the holly branches than their strength went from them and they were seized and bound by the vicious hags. Little by little, all the members of the Fianna returned to the hill and each of them was drawn into the cave and each was bound by the sisters. Oshin and Oscar and Mac Lugak came with the nobles of Clan Bashkna, and with those of Clan Corcoran and Clan Schmoll, they all <laughs> carrying their washing tablets with them. <laughs> they all came, and they were all bound. It was a wonderful sight, and a great deed, this binding of the Fianna, and the three sisters laughed with a joy that was terrible to hear, <laughs> and was almost death to see. As the men were captured, they were carried by the hags into dark, mysterious holes and black, perplexing labyrinths. Mm -hmm. Here's another one, cried Kavog, and she bundled a trust champion along. <laughs> this one is fat, said Coolan, and she rolled a bulky feeling along <laughs> like a wheel. <laughs> Here, said Eren, is a love of a man. One could eat this kind of man. She murmured, uh -huh. and she licked a lip that had whiskers growing inside as well as out. <laughs> and the corded champion whimpered in her arms. I have to say, I, I stand these witches. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. I'm all for them. I love them. It's like they are living their best life. Absolutely. You know? I'm not here for this. Not even, like, not even vaguely veiled misogyny. Yeah. I think, I think they are the future. Yeah, man. And I said it before, say it again. I can't wait to be a crone. Yeah. Hags, crones, yeah. Rep him. Rep. <laughs> the corded champion whimpered in her arms, for he did not know, but eating might indeed be his fate. And he would have preferred to be coffined anywhere in the world rather than to be coffined inside of that face. <laughs> so far for them. Chapter five. <laughs> Is that, I really shouldn't be rooting for the um, antagonists. I, you know what? When I picked this story, I thought Laura's going to root for the hags. Yeah, right? of course. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Within the cave, there was silence except for the voices of the hags and the scarcely audible moaning of the Fianna Finn. But without, there was a dreadful uproar for as each man returned from the chase, his dogs came with him. And although the men went into the cave, the dogs did not. They were too wise. Hmm. Seems legit. They stood outside, filled with savagery and terror, for they could scent their masters and their masters' danger, and perhaps they could get from the cave smells till then unknown and full of alarm. From the troop of dogs there arose a baying and a barking, a snarling and howling and growling, 
a yelping and squealing and bawling for which no words can be found. Apart from all the words that they just used. Yeah, apart from those seven words. Yeah. Now and again, a dog nosed among a thousand smells and scented his master. The rough of his neck stood up like a hog's bristles and a netty ridge prickled along his spine. Then, with red eyes and bared fangs, with a hoarse, deep snort and a growl, he rushed at the cave, and then he halted and sneaked back again with all his ruffles smoothed, his tail between his legs, his eyes screwed sideways in miserable apology and alarm, and a long, thin whine of woe dribbling out of his nose. Poor doggy. Yeah. Three sisters took their wide-channeled, hard-tempered swords in their hands and prepared to slay the Fiena, but before doing so, they gave one more look from the door of the cave to see if there might be a straggler of the Fiona who was escaping death by straggling. And they saw, and they saw one coming towards them with Bran and Scholin leaping beside him. Can I just say that if any dogs are harmed in this narrative, I am throwing my phone out of the window and we're never recording this again. I'm going to hold your hand. Oh, God. Oh, hags, don't do it. Eat the men. Eat the dogs. <laughs> dogs before... Slog? Slog? Hogs? I don't know. They saw one coming towards them with Bran and Shkolan leaping beside him, while all the other dogs began to burst their throats with barks and split their noses with snorts and wag their tails off at the sight of the tall, valiant, white-toothed champion Golmore MacMorna. Oh, this is the guy from earlier. We will kill that one first. <laughs> there is only one of him, said Coolin. And each of us is three is a match for an hundred, said Eren. The uncanny, misbehaved and outrageous Haridans advanced then to meet the son of Morna. And when he saw these three, Gol whipped the sword from his thigh, swung his buckler around and got to them in ten great leaps. Come on, hags, finish him. <laughs> Silence fell on the world during that conflict. The wind went down. The clouds stood still. The old hill itself held its breath. The warriors within ceased to be men and became each an ear. What? As in, to, to, to listen. Oh. And the dogs sat in a vast circle round the combatants, with their heads all to one side, their noses poked forwards, their mouths half open, and their tails forgotten. <laughs> now and again, a dog whined in a whisper and Aww. snapped a little snap on the air. Oh, poor doggies. But except for that, there was neither sound nor movement. It was a long fight. It was hard and a tricky fight. And Gol won it by bravery and strategy and great good luck. <laughs> for with one shrewd slice of his blade, he carved two of these mighty termagants into equal halves so that there were noses and whiskers to his right hand and knees and toes to his left. And that stroke was known afterwards as one of the three great sword strokes of Ireland. Well. The f <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fuck off. <laughs> the third hag, however, had managed to get behind Goal and she leaped onto his back with the bound of a panther. Yes, hag. And hung here with the skillful, many-legged, tight-twisted clutching of a spider. 
But the great champion gave a twist of his hips and a swing of his shoulders that whirled her around him like a sack. He got her on the ground and tied her hands with the straps of a shield, and he was going to give her the last blow when she appealed to his honour and bravery. I put my life under your protection, said she, and if you will let me go free, I will lift the enchantment from the Fian Fin, and I will give them all back to you again. I agree to that, <laughs> said Gull. Idiot. And he untied her straps. The Haradan did as she had promised. Oh. And in a short time, Finn and Oshin and Oscar and Conan were released. And after that, all the Fianna were released. The end. Chapter six. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> as each man came out of the cave, he gave a jump and a shout. The courage of the world went into him and he felt that he could fight 20. But while they were talking over the adventure and explaining how it had happened, a vast figure strode over the side of the hill and descended among them. It was Conoran's fourth daughter. Dun, dun, dun. If the other three had been terrible to look on, this one was more terrible than the three together. Good grief. She was clad in iron plate and she had a wicked sword by her side and a knobby club in her hand. She halted by the bodies of her sisters and bitter tears streamed down into her beard. <laughs> Alas, my sweet ones, said she, I am too late. And then she stared fiercely at Finn. I demand a combat, she roared. Good. Come on, Hag. It is your right, said Finn. He turned to his son. Roisin, my heart, kill me this honourable hag. But for the only time in his life, Oshin shrank from a combat. I cannot do it, he said. I feel too weak. Finn was astounded. Oscar, he said. Will you kill me this great hag? Do it yourself, you lazy prick. Oscar stammered miserably. I would not be able to, he said. Conan also refused, and so did Kilty MacRonan and MacLugak, and there was no man there that but was terrified by the sight of that mighty and valiant Haradan. Finn rose to his feet. I will take this combat myself, Good. he said sternly. And he swung his buckler forward and stretched his right hand to the sword. But at that terrible sight, Gol MacMorna blushed deeply and leaped from the ground. No, no, he cried. No, my soul, Finn. What the f- this would not be a proper combat for you. Why? I take this fight. Oh, for goodness sake. Does this not remind you so much of Gowen and the Green Knight? Yes. So Gowen, like, holding King Arthur's sword and going like, no, no, this is, I take this one. You have done your share, Gol, said the captain. I should finish the fight I began, Gol continued. For it was I who killed the two sisters of this valiant hag, and it is against me the feud lies. That will do for me, said the horrible daughter of Conoran. I will kill Golmore MacMorna first, and after that I will kill Finn, and after that I will kill every Fenian of the Fianna Finn. Good for you. You may begin, Gol, said Finn. Go, sister. And I give you my blessing. Gol then strode forward into the fight, and the hag moved against him with equal alacrity. In a moment, the heavens rang to the clash of swords on bucklers. 
It was hard to withstand the terrific blows of that mighty female, for her sword played with the quickness of lightning, and smote like the heavy crashing of a storm. But into that din and encirclement Gull pressed and ventured, steady as a rock in water, agile as a creature of the sea, and when one of the combatants retreated, it was the hag that gave backwards. As her foot moved, a great shout of joy rose from the Fiena. A snarl went over the huge face of the monster, and she leapt forward again, but she met Gull's point in the road, and it went through her, and in another moment Gull took her head from its shoulders and swung it on high before Finn. As the Fiena turned homewards, Finn spoke to his great champion and enemy. Gull, he said, I have a daughter. A lovely girl, a blossom of the dawn, said Gull. Would she please you as a wife? The chief demanded. Mm. She would please me, said Gull. Women are not property. I agree. Finn doesn't. She is your wife, said Finn. Has he asked her? No. But that did not prevent Gull from killing Finn's brother, Carol, later on. Good. Nor did it prevent Finn from killing Gull later on. What? And the last did not prevent Gull from rescuing Finn out of hell when the Fiona Finn was sent there under the new god. <laughs> Nor is there any reason to complain. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> they can't just skim over. They went to such great lengths to describe the hag's deformities and they're just going to skim over Gull rescuing Finn from hell when the fucking... when there was new management... <laughs> The new management, I mean, being, you know, god of Christianity. Oi, oi, oi. Love it. Um, nor is there any reason to complain or to be astonished at these things. What? For it is a mutual world we live in. A give and take world. Unless you're a woman, apparently, in which case you will be described in extremely unflattering um, terms. The worst thing you can possibly be is ugly, and that will provoke... Some busybody dickhead just wandering around the countryside to go over to you and be like, yo, are those really whiskers? Fuck off. And then at the end, maybe he'll just trade his daughter as a thank you. The end. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. What did you make of the Enchanted Cave of Kesh Koran then? I think we know the answer. I mean, uh, why are men? Why are men? Why are men? The new title of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, it was, it was good. It was entertaining. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the descriptions of, was it one of the hag's face resembling like a nut? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's really, really good. That's I think great. it was beautifully written as well. It was very, my favourite word, evocative. Yeah. When they were describing Finn looking out over the hunt. Um, yeah. I think it was beautifully written. I think it was compelling. I think... Uh, you know, it's a good story. It's an mm. exciting narrative, and I hate all the protagonists. We stand the hags. We stand the hags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one and currently. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, well, I, th- you know, I my, my my opinion is very short and not necessarily um, uh, any more. Um, nuance than that um i just i thought it was quite funny 
that's um, funny. Yeah. And when I, you remove all the all disgusting the, all, misogyny. Absolutely. I do wonder where... I mean, I could go into... So there is... This, is, this tale is told elsewhere... I managed to track down one other rendering of it, but I couldn't tell you whether it was any less or more misogynistic. Mm. I think what he's done, he's taken the original tale and he's kind of like turned up all the details to make it, you know, sort of funny to tell to kids or whatever. You know, to go like, oh, look at how ugly they are. Imagine you're a girl child and you're hearing this, like Mm -hmm. these great heroes. And then there were women that were so ugly. Yeah. That it like, it it makes you think like, the worst thing that a woman can be is unattractive to men. <laughs> yeah, that's that is often the way it is, isn't it? In these stories, yeah. I want to hear. Yeah, maybe that's our challenge. Our challenge is to find a story about a crone or a hag or these old words um, that paints them in a fav- favorable light. Yeah. If you know of that story, dear listener, please do let us know. Yeah. You can reach us at Tome Raiders Pod. On Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely. You can go to tomeraiders.co.uk to find links to the Twitter and Instagram, which we've just told you how to get to you anyway. Uh, and you could also email us from there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, please do, if you've enjoyed this episode, let us know. Tell your friends. We are completely at your mercy. The only way that we're going to, you know, succeed with this is if people, you know, tell their friends, spread the word. Mm-hmm. Um, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, where, wherever you wherever you get your podcasts and where you can rate things. If you didn't enjoy it, keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I pronounce any of the Irish names wrong, likewise, keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if you think that I'm a raging misandrist and uh, a man hater, you're right. well (laughs) shall we draw it to a close there yeah i think so have a lovely weekend have a wonderful couple of weeks we will see you in two weeks time um i don't know what the next episode is going to be on we've been looking at some stuff about black shuck which is my specialist subject. I love a good cryptid. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll shake up the format and I'll read to Ross. Who knows? Absolutely. I got some spooky ghost stories incoming too. Oh, yeah. Just you wait. Um, yeah. Have a lovely week. Love you lots. Uh, wear your masks. Use your anti-back. Get your vaccines. Feed your cat. All of those things. Love you lots. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. bye, 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 bye.